Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. KSL's Live Mike with Lee Lonsberry. Welcome back to the program. We're going to talk about these Second Amendment sanctuary counties and different counties here in the state of Utah that are considering uh, or moving towards passing their own resolutions or ordinances like uh, has been the case in Uinta County, creating the first ever here in the state Second Amendment sanctuary county. But before we get to that, I want to tell you uh, two things. Uh, One of them comes from a tweet I just saw from a candidate for the Tennessee House. This is a House seat in Tennessee. Uh, He just tweeted a screenshot of a a piece of legislation, or a resolution rather, uh, being considered before the Tennessee General Assembly. That's like our own state legislature. It's very simple. Uh, I'm going to read to you the summary of HJR 779 out of the Tennessee General Assembly. It says... This is crazy. It says, resolves to recognize CNN and the Washington Post as fake news and part of the media wing of the Democratic Party and further resolves to condemn such media outlets for denigrating our citizens and implying that they are weak-minded followers instead of people exercising their rights that our veterans paid with paid for with their blood. You don't see much of that here in Utah. Uh but that's what they're up to down in Tennessee. Anyway, I thought that was interesting, caught my attention. I also want to tell you about something else that producer Amy did this morning. She uh, is she, She's caught the bug. I came into this position letting everyone know that I'm a big, huge fan of uh, archived newspapers. I think that there are fascinating stories to be found in the newsprint of yesterday. And this morning, uh, producer Amy brought an article to my attention that dates back 150 years. That's right, 150 years, uh, an article written in the Deseret News under the stewardship of editor George Q. Cannon talking about suffrage here in Utah on the eve of passage of women's suffrage here in the state of Utah and on the eve of that Seraph Young casting the first ballot uh, by a woman here in the, the state. Uh, Producer Amy found a fascinating article. I'm going to read you that towards the end of the program. And we're going to talk about some things being done here in the state of Utah to commemorate the sesquicentennial anniversary of uh, the of women's suffrage here in the state of Utah. Uh, sesquicentennial. Here, here's uh, some fun trivia before we get into this gun topic. I first learned that word in 1997, the sesquicentennial anniversary of the pioneers' arrival here into the Salt Lake Valley. And then last year, the sesquicentennial anniversary of the driving of the Golden Spike at Promontory Summit here in the state of Utah. And on uh, Friday, the 14th, we will celebrate the sesquicentennial of women's suffrage here in the state of Utah. Three occasions uh, where the sesquicentennial 
has been celebrated here in the state of Utah. Anyway, guns, Second Amendment sanctuaries. The background is uh, a little while ago in Uinta County, they passed an ordinance which would make it a crime to enforce any law, state or federal, that would violate the Second Amendment, as interpreted by the commissioners out there in Uinta County. I had the commissioners here in studio. I asked them if these types of efforts were being forwarded elsewhere here in the state of Utah. And they said, listen, we don't want to speak for anyone else, but I will say that we have had some conversations. So I said, well, all right, to be fair, what I'll do is I'll go out and I will ask every single county commissioner here in the state of Utah what they're doing on this front. And if I'm honest, I was expecting to get back kind of a mix, uh, a mixed responses. Many folks saying, no, that's not really our bag. Or places uh, saying, yeah, in fact, we are working on that. And I was so surprised to learn that it is almost universal among county commissioners here in the state of Utah that they are working on efforts like this. There are a few exceptions, but there are almost in every response I've gotten uh, word from these com- county commissioners saying that they are, in fact, working on either a resolution or possibly an ordinance uh, to create these Second Amendment sanctuaries. Now, the distinction between resolution and ordinance is important. Uh, And we've talked about it a few times here on this program at the various levels of legislative government. You can do things called resolutions and you can do things uh, which have the the force of law, in this case at the county level, an ordinance. And what's the difference? Uh, An ordinance changes county statute and a resolution is merely an expression of an attitude held by the legislative body. For example, when I read that uh, piece of legislation out of Tennessee, the one talking about uh, CNN and the Washington Post, that was a resolution that is merely uh, memorializing the majority will or attitude or view of the legislative body out there in Tennessee. So I'm not going to follow that story, but I just wanted to illustrate the difference between an ordinance and a resolution for you, and that's the way I chose to do it. Most of the responses that I've received from county commissioners are moving in the resolution path, uh, but let me walk through them uh, specifically. We've got a few moments left in this segment. I want to share with you what's going on. I spoke to a Commissioner Pearson in Beaver County. Uh, a commissioner out there says the commission is considering a resolution and possibly an ordinance. So they are not only uh, considering the spirit of this legislation, but also whether or not they will put it in place to so that it carries the force of law or is merely an expression of the attitude of the commissioners. Um, Carbon County Commissioner Larry Jensen emailed me to say that they are not planning to propose a similar ordinance in the county at the time. Uh, Commissioner Martinez in Carbon County also let me know the same and added that they have not received many requests to do so. I did ask for a little bit of follow up there to see what the requests were, uh, if there had been much uh, involvement from the community. A number of these commissioners have told me that they have heard overwhelming support and uh, that a number of emails and phone calls and visits to the county offices have contained uh, requests to pass legislation like this uh, to create a Second Amendment sanctuary. In Iron County, Commissioner Alma Adams tells me that as a commission, I'll I'll read you what, what he wrote in the email. As a commissioner, we actually had a brief discussion regarding Second Amendment sanctuaries this morning during our regular meeting. We're going to study the issue more thoroughly and weigh the pros and cons of becoming a sanctuary county. Uh, And then the commissioner points out that all three members of the Iron County Commissioner are strong supporters of our Second Amendment rights. 
Moving on to San Pete County, this is according to Commissioner Lund. They will be discussing it at their next commission meeting. That's next week. Again, uh, uh, San Pete County. Uh, here we've got Rich County. Commissioner Cox tells me that they are currently reviewing resolutions from a couple of different counties, Uinta being one of them, and they plan on passing their own resolution declaring Rich County a Second Amendment sanctuary county in the near future. Next uh, is Sevier County. Commissioner uh, Garth Ogden lets me know that Sevier County is working on a sanctuary bill. They've reviewed the Uinta County bill and they do plan on passing a sanctuary amendment. This is after the attorney writes a bill that fits Sevier County. Now, this last one I held off uh, sharing you because it was one of the big ones. I uh, uh, was waiting to hear from counties along the Wasatch Front, and there are still a few uh, I'm waiting to hear from, but Utah County Commissioner Nathan Ivey, uh, he let me know that Utah County, in conjunction with the county sheriff, is working on a similar action. Again, this is Utah County. Uh, Commissioner Ivey tells me that the county, along with the sheriff, is working on a similar action. Uh, so we don't know how that will shake out. We don't know if Utah County will become uh, one of these Second Amendment sanctuary counties, uh, making it a crime to enforce laws at the state or federal level, which would infringe on the Second Amendment. But we'll see. Uh, Commissioner Ivey sent me another note this morning saying that he's willing to come on and talk about this. It's just a matter of arranging that. So uh, we're going to try before the end of the week to have a conversation here on these airwaves with Utah County Commissioner Nathan Ivey regarding that county's moves towards becoming a sanctuary county. Uh, so we'll see. I'm anxious to learn uh, what uh, what we what comes from Utah County and all of the counties here in Utah I have yet to hear from. Uh, we're going to take a quick break here in a moment, but before I go, let me invite you to download an app. It's the KSL News Radio app powered by Any Hour Services. On there, you can, of course, listen to this program and the other programs here on the airwaves of KSL, but you can also check out the different headlines. Our reporters, you hear, uh, they also write up their stories and share extra details. You can find those all at the KSL News Radio app again powered by any our services next up uh, we're going to talk about something pretty intense uh, we here in the state of utah are one of just a few remaining states that on the ballot allow for straight ticket voting the deseret news editorial board says it's a bad idea the practice ought to go we're going to hear that side of the argument and then later on in the two o'clock hour we're going to hear from brad daw utah representative who says no maybe it ought to stay uh, it's been working just fine for us for a good long time. That's all upcoming here on KSL. This program, Live Mike, I'm Lee Lonsberry. Don't go away. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new season three, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts.